0: Good morning, the book of Matthew, chapter 28. So great to see you. As we continue this theme in the month of November, our Global Outreach Month, those were images from a global serve team trip I was on here earlier this year to South Sudan. And I hope that you'll consider maybe going on one of those trips next year as we talk about the Great Commission. We cannot really fathom all that God wants us to see until we see it personally, that's why it's so important that honestly you consider at least maybe going on one of these serve team trips here in the near future. As We've challenged you this month in our global outreach month to imagine your life on mission. That's the theme of our year and the theme for our two years in our Imagine campaign is to use our imagination And let what we imagine birth a vision, that vision can become then a new destination, but only then if there's this call to action. So today, I'm going to do something we haven't done all month. I'm going to say something we haven't said all month. I'm going to tell you right now to stop imagining. Don't imagine. Just forget it. Because the reality is the Great Commission is not merely a call to imagine. The Great Commission is ultimately a call to action. And so today's really a call to action. We've done the imagining the life on mission and today honestly is the time to move into action. What are you gonna do with what you've heard? And ultimately, that's always the call of God upon our life. We use the term next steps around here. There's always a next step that God is asking you for spiritually. There's a next step in your life personally. And for some of us, the next step might be to no longer merely imagine, but to really begin to step into action. That's what Jesus was calling us to do and what we call the Great Commission. Remember, the last words Jesus said before his ascension, he gave us the marching orders, that mission for every Christian from every generation, generation. He said in Matthew 28, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to serve all things, whatever I commanded you, and loyal be with you always, even to the end of the age. We call this the Great Commission. Now listen, the reality is some of us consider it as the great option, the great suggestion, but I'm telling you, as a Christian, if we're not serious about living out the Great Commission, we're really just pretending, just going through the motions. He put it this way in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Acts 1 and verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, to Dea Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You never have to wonder about your purpose as a Christian. Why am I here? Because God has said it emphatically, and he has said it clearly. We're to take the gospel to all nations, beginning with our neighbors, from Lee Summit to Lithuania, from Greenwood to Guatemala, from Blue Springs to Bolivia, from Kansas City to Kenya, from Independence to Iran, that is the call on every Christian. And that's what we're talking about as we consider now the Great Commission. Now, here's the simple reality. I've heard it said at times like this, and you know, I've been a lot of missions conferences, and we've talked a lot about global missions through the years, and you hear sometimes preachers or maybe missionaries talk about, well, some of us are called to give, so others are called to go. And some can't go if others don't give, and so maybe you're called to give so others can go. I'm just saying, oh no, because the reality is we're all called to give and we're all called to go. You hear what Jesus said, right? I mean, the reality is, we're all called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, being a witness to Him, not just in our Jerusalem, but in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the reality is, there are missionaries. We have global partners all over the world, some of which are here today on site, and we hope you will meet them and greet them and maybe get to know them. And they can't go if we don't give. In other words, we have 60 plus global partners, and we give financially to support their ministry so they can take the gospel in faraway countries, places we will never be with people we will never personally see. And so every time you give a dollar at Abundant Life, a portion of that goes to global missions to support these ministries around the world. And sometimes uh, it's food pantries and food banks and orphanages and and drilling wells and you know always there's a church involved somewhere so that people can grow spiritually. But everything we're doing here in our city, we're doing around the world globally through our global partnerships in those ministries, and that's why we do give. And one of our core values is generosity. We will give away what God has given us. But understand, it is not simply a call to give so others can go, like I'm gonna give so others can go so that I can say no. Well, I got that off my back, right? The reality is we're all called to go. And so it's a simple truth that we're all called in some capacity to advance the Great Commission to all nations, and it's our opportunity. Maybe you're not gonna be a missionary In a faraway country, not like, you know, for the rest of your life, but you can do it for a week or 10 days on one of these global serve team trips. It's an awesome opportunity. The reason why it is so crucial, guys, I'm convinced of this. We all struggle, I think, with apathy and complacency in our Christianity. Yes? Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. I was beginning to think I'm all alone. I'm the only loser Christian here. All these... Fine, fine Christians, look at you. Now, now here's the deal, we all struggle with this, don't we? I mean, it is hard. We live in this bubble of prosperity, what we call the USA, Western society, and regardless of your socioeconomic ability, you have more opportunity than anywhere else in all of human history. So consequently, it's just what I call, we live in kind of a Disney World society, a Disneyland world in which we live, where there's so many distractions and so many opportunities for entertainment, and none of that is wrong, necessarily. I mean, I'm not trying to put us on a guilt trip for being Americans and being blessed with living in a country that's been blessed, but what I am saying is this. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much more will be required. Meaning we have been given much, which means much more of us is required as we think about our opportunity and our ability to reach the nations for eternity. So the reality is simply this, it's hard to not struggle with apathy and complacency at times in your Christian life. This is how you get over the apathy and complacency. Honestly, it's to begin to see what God sees when he looks down from eternity. There's a principle Jeremiah the prophet taught as he wrote the book of Lamentations. He said it more than once. He said, my eye has affected my heart. In other words, the eyes are the windows to the soul. I don't know about you, but I want my heart to be moved for what moves the heart of God, yes? I want my heart to beat with what beats the heart of God. I want my heart to be broken for what breaks the heart of God. And the only way your heart can be moved for what moves the heart of God is begin to see what God sees. When you begin to see it personally, it moves your heart in the way that God's heart has moved. I went on that trip earlier this year to First Lebanon, and we got to see what God is doing in the refugee camps, and the opportunity is just awesome there in Lebanon as we minister the gospel with our global partners. And then from there, we flew to South Sudan. Guys, I'm telling you, I've been a lot of places, a lot of countries. I have never seen anything like South Sudan in all my life. It was like getting on an airplane to fly to a different country, but somewhere along the way, the airplane became a spaceship, because when we landed, we were on a different planet. I'm serious. And, uh, and, and my eye affected my heart from having been there. I mean, it was a third world of third world. Juba was the capital city we were in, a sprawling village of 400,000 people, that's what I call it. It's not a city, it's more like a sprawling village. I mean, very little paved roads, very little electricity, very little running water. Uh, we turned the corner to go into our five star hotel that 's kind of what they called it but obviously the standards of her five star there is a little different than here because as we turned the corner, it was like driving to a prison compound. I mean, it's behind walls and razor wire, and that's just the world they live in there. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a military state, state of anarchy. Whoever has the most guns wins, and, and that's the, the, the place the church is there. But there's this thriving church there, and God is moving there. Listen, people are coming to Christ there, and it's remarkable. Now, I shot this from my iPhone. I want you to see what I saw because I want my heart to be moved for what moves the heart of God. I'm telling you, God's heart is moved when he sees South Sudan and there's this feeding center there that we're a part of, and we have those feeding centers around the world that we help support, MANA feeding centers. And I saw a young lady there, a young mom, and she brought her little boy there, and they were, they were feeding, and she was feeding her son. And there they, they feed with their hands. They eat with their hands. They don't use utensils. And, and she's feeding her son. I could tell after watching this mom and her son that she was hungry, because as she would feed him, she would lick her hands. And every time she'd feed this little guy, he'd just clap, right? I want you to see what I saw. I pray that God will move your heart for what moves the heart of God. You're a part of that ministry. You may not know it, but every time you give a dollar, some of that money goes to support ministries like that around the world. And you see, together, we're making a difference, not just locally, but globally, but only because there's a call to action. We don't just use our imagination. I want you to see the call of every Christian is to live on mission. Now, the reality is, you don't have to get on an airplane and go to South Sudan, you see the opportunity is right here every single day. And that's what I want to talk about today. What does it mean to live on mission? We've talked about that, but practically how do you do that? And so let's talk about that. As we live on mission, there are three things. First of all it's this. It's learning to live differently and think differently, to have a different priority. It's about living for eternity. Colossians 3 and verse 2. It says, set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. The reality is it's so difficult to set our mind on things we cannot see when what we see is only our real sense of reality. But what God wants you to see is the ultimate reality is not what you can see, it's what you cannot see, it's an equal reality, it's something called eternity. And so it begins with thinking differently. Now, here's the deal: most of us, honestly, focus only on what is here and not merely than what is there. I want you to see this isn't saying that you can't enjoy some of the temporal things in life. All right, and I'm telling you that because I know people sometimes we're so heavenly minded we're of no earthly good. You know what I'm saying? So, it's not like you can't enjoy some of the temporal things. I mean, I have hobbies and I do things that have no eternal value, and, you know, it's fun and enjoyable. Hey, life is hard for most of us in some capacity. It's okay to enjoy some of the sweet things of life, even though it's temporal and not eternal. Don't misunderstand. Some of us are really excited about the Chiefs being six and three. That's okay. I'm just saying, don't put them in the Super Bowl yet, because I have been in this town long enough. You know what I'm saying? Don't set yourself up for heartbreak because they have a way of doing that, Uh uh-huh. All right, it's okay, enjoy those things of life, but the reality is those things in the end won't last and they really won't matter. So look at the things that last and look at the things that matter. Let eternity begin your priority and it'll change that apathy into a sense of urgency. Now you've heard me say it over and over again. I'm going to say it again. There's only two things in life that last forever, the word of God and the souls of men. If you're not living your life for those two things, the word of God and the souls of men, you're living your life for things that won't last and things that won't matter. And so as we think about living for eternity, it's about investing my life in things that last forever instead of those things that really, in the end, don't matter. And most things in this life really don't matter because they will not last forever. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away and everything in it. Jared would have said, the world is passing away and everything in it, that means anything attached to this world is dead, dying, or will decay and one day fade away. Anything you can touch, anything you can hold on to, you will one day lose. That's why Jesus said, lay not up treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up treasure in heaven where neither moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's okay to have some stuff on the earth as long as your real treasure is in heaven. You know what Jesus was teaching? Because anything tied to this earth, no matter how great the treasure, will one day rust, decay, and fade away if it doesn't get stolen first. I mean, I should know. I'm like a magnet. This has happened to me three times now in my adult life, all right? I've been broke into twice in my home. And uh, a couple sunny nights ago, I come out from eating in a restaurant here in Lee Summit, and my truck's been broken into. Shattered the glass out of it, took some really valuable stuff on the inside of it. I thought about this very verse where Jesus said, treasure on earth, where moth and rust corrupts, and where thieves break through and steal. I thought of that very verse. So I looked at my truck and it's shattered window and stuff is stolen and I thought to myself, Lord, just one time, just one time, please let me catch them in the act. <laughs> because I promise their life will change, Lord Jesus. They're, I promise, Jesus. If I can just catch them one time, I, because I am a missionary-minded, gospel-driven individual, I promise I will introduce them to Jesus, I will. In a way they never imagined. We will have a come-to-Jesus meeting, I promise, in the parking lot. Hey, uh, they, they stole um, several things. They stole my work computer. It has my sermons on it. I can only hope they find the one about hell. <laughs> one day I'll see them in heaven or at the great white throne judgment. I'm not going to cry for you, whoever you are. Here's the point. I'm teasing about that, by the way. Well, I'm not sure, actually, if I am or not. <laughs> My point is, it doesn't matter. In the end, the stuff that we put so much value on, that we sweat for and sacrifice for, guess what? In the end, it's all gonna be gone. Uh, that home that you work so hard to buy, that you're so proud of, enjoy it. If God has blessed you with it, but just remember, someday somebody else is gonna live in it. You built it for somebody else, too. That car that you drive, I mean, it's awesome. It's a beautiful car, isn't it? Guess what, it already is worth less than what you bought it for. You see, everything in this world What Jesus was teaching is going to decay, it's going to fade away. Why would we put priorities on things that last only temporarily, when then we ought to be focusing on eternity? Now here's what happens when you purposely, consciously begin thinking about focusing your life on eternity, living for that long view, not just the short view. Your thinking begins to change, and all of a sudden you look for eternal opportunities daily, and there's eternal opportunities daily in your life. Yes, I hope one day you'll go on a global serve team trip with one of our staff and some of our folks, and it's gonna be awesome, I promise you, and it's gonna change you, I promise, inwardly, and you'll look at everything differently, but the reality is you don't need to get on a plane to think missionally, opportunity abounds daily. The mission is right here in our own city. It's not just in the nations, it's in your neighborhood. Hey, where you go to work, where you show up tomorrow morning, your vocation is your mission. And all of a sudden, you begin realizing that all the people in your life that you meet, friends, family, and strangers are there purposely, providentially, not accidentally. And all of a sudden you're looking at people differently, you're thinking differently, that God has positioned your life to intersect their life for one reason. This person needs Jesus, this person needs the gospel. And all of a sudden, random things that were just random are no longer random. You start seeing opportunity everywhere to impact eternity and you see that opportunity daily in your coworkers, uh, in, in your people you go to school with, the people you sit next to. Listen, the people that you sit there watching those soccer games with and, those basketball games. Listen, you thought when your kid joined that team, it was just because they are so talented. Yes, they're talented, but that's not the reason they are on that team. Guess guess what? There are people on that team, other families, other moms and dads that you sit there with all summer long, who need Jesus. You see, it's never just about baseball. It's never just about soccer. Your education, where you go to school, you thought it's just about education. No, it's about a mission because God is bringing about an intersection, your life and somebody else's life. Your vocation is not just about vocation, that is your place of mission, and when you begin thinking through that lens of eternity, you begin seeing open doors of opportunity then, and you see them daily, where you check out, let's say, at Quick Trip or Price Chopper. It's not just about groceries. I mean, all of a sudden, that clerk, you realize that's a human being with a human soul, and God has positioned you there at that time, and just maybe, not always, but just maybe there's an opportunity to speak a word of hope or truth or some spiritual God seed to deposit into their life. Every time I go to the restaurant, well, not every time, that would not be true, but a lot of times, this is what I do, is I'm ordering my food and we're about to pray. Uh, I'll ask the waitress, hey, we're about to pray for our lunch. Can we pray for you today? And all you're doing there is putting a little God seed, a little God thought in their heart, a God awareness, Right? And uh, I have never had one waitress, not one waiter one time has ever said, no, please don't pray for me. I'm, you know, I'm offended you would even ask. They don't do that because they want a big tip. <laughs> I mean, they're on their best behavior. So if you do that, just make sure you give them a big tip, right, because you represent Jesus. Make Jesus look good. You understand what I'm saying? We ought to be the best tippers. We ought to be the most generous, I think, of anyone. As Christians, now here's the deal: you need to see things differently. Nothing happens just randomly. Nothing happens merely for the temporal; it is for the eternal. Uh, Dear sweet lady in our church, Judy Salins, gave me a voicemail, called me a couple weeks ago. She had one of these God stories, and she just wanted to share it with me to encourage me. I hope it encourages you, and I think it illustrates perfectly what it means to live for eternity. Listen carefully.
1: I just have a really nice uh, church story to tell you. There was a lady in in Coles uh, buying some clothing, and there was one of our ladies from our church standing behind her. And no, I don't know who that lady was. No one knows. But she, when they rang up her uh, the ladies in front of hers items, she didn't have enough money, so she said, uh, "Take back this item." And so the church lady behind her said, no, please, can I buy that for you? So she bought it for her, and they were just, then they stood aside and started talking, and the lady was thanking her so much. Come to find out she's a widow. The lady from our church said, we have, I hear we have a great widow's ministry, and this lady has already called Franny and is going to start coming to our church, all because... Somebody from our church was sweet enough to buy her a piece of clothing or an item or something that she couldn't afford. I love our church.
0: Isn't that awesome? That's what I'm talking about. What a great illustration. Somebody living in view of eternity. All of a sudden, a trip to Kohl's becomes a mission trip. A trip to the grocery store can can be an opportunity for ministry and mission. If you're thinking eternally and living for eternity, all of a sudden you see opportunity and it's no longer just about going to Kohl's to get a new sweater. And God positions your life perfectly for that opportunity. And I want you to see that opportunity daily. Everything begins to change when you have that lens of eternity. Now what that means is you start to love people passionately. You love what God loves. And this is what Jesus meant in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is the light that we have to shine? It's the love that we have for people. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. This is why we put so much emphasis at our church about being living proof of a loving God to a watching world because it doesn't matter if we share it and say it if we don't don't show it they won't believe it they'll never know it and so so much of what we do is about putting God's love on display in a tangible way whether it's corporately as a church family or maybe you individually this is why we do so much of what we do the 502 Thanksgiving boxes listen that is awesome I mean, you've made a difference in some capacity. You have built a bridge for the gospel to 502 households in our city. I got an email from Tiffany Hughes who works in the Hickman Mills School District. I wanna read this to you, okay? It says this, thank you so much for the Thanksgiving baskets. Our families have been truly blessed, have communicated their thankfulness to me here in the office. I just had a chance to talk with a mom and dad who rode several Metro buses to get here to pick up their basket. They're waiting for the ride to return to pick them up and have shared how humbled and thankful they are to be able to have a Thanksgiving meal this year. Thanks for always being an active illustration of Christ's love in our community. Guys, I want you to know, you make me so proud to be your pastor. Now I know the Bible over and over says pride is a sin, so I'm so humbled (laughs) to be your pastor because you're awesome, you are. That generosity you share is ultimately that bridge for the gospel and it makes a difference not just in time, but for eternity. Most of you know we're gonna build a freestanding food pantry next year here. That's one of our five initiatives that we have over two years as a church as a part of our Imagine campaign. reason we're building a freestanding food pantry is the little modular reason now is just not enough. It's way outgrown it. Check this out, year to date, just year to date, we have given away, watch this, 228 tons of groceries to 3,800 families in our city. That's amazing. It is. It's remarkable. And I'm so honestly humbled to be your pastor because I can't be prideful about it. But you know what you mean. I mean, I am so proud, you make me so proud. You know why? Because you make God so proud. God is so proud. God your Father is so pleased and proud of you, the bride of Christ and abundant life. What are we doing? It's about building bridges for the gospel to our city, tangible ways of expressing God's love in practical ways. Because when you live for eternity, you will love people passionately. This is what the great commandment and the great commission, how they work in tandem. The great commission is what we say, but the the great commandment is what they see the great commandment puts god's love on display and it's not nearly then empo- as, as emphatic related to what we say see if we just say it people will never see it that's what jesus was teaching when he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, we have an awesome opportunity. Why do we do the things we do? This uh, carnival we do every September, we're about to do this polar party here in a couple of weeks, December the 2nd. Now, let me tell you why we do the polar party. This is gonna be an awesome opportunity to invite friends and family. Now, here's the deal. The carnival is not just for us. This polar party, it's not just for us. Here's the deal. For me to have a Merry Christmas, I don't need to have a polar party, all right? I'm I'm good without it. See, it's not just for my family. It's not just for your family. Now, your family is going to be blessed by it. We're going to have reindeer. We're going to have wagon rides. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have a magic show in here with a gospel presentation. Uh, we're going to have all types of opportunity for fun. There's going to be an ice skating rink out there. But here's the deal. If you don't invite people who need Jesus, it's going to be a flop because it ain't just for fun. And so these are the reasons we do these types of events. These are on-ramps for you to use to invite friends and family that don't know Jesus. Here's the deal. They may not come to church with you, but they just might come to help their kids have some fun. And you're building a bridge then. You're connecting on a relational level with them. And that's why we do some of the things we do. Now, once you've done that, you have an opportunity to invite them then to the Christmas Eve service. There are two times a year, statistically, the probability mathematically is higher than ever that people who don't go to church just might come to church. It is Christmas and it is Easter. Yeah? So leverage them. That's an opportunity, so you invite them to the polar party because here's the deal, doesn't matter where you go in the world, people may not care at all about God, but they care a lot about their kids. See, kids become the bridge. And when you love their kids, all of a sudden you've earned the right, the credibility in that family, just maybe relationally for the gospel. And so think about who are you gonna invite? What are you gonna do with this opportunity? If you're thanking eternally and loving people passionately, you don't let things like the polar party come and go without seizing the opportunity. Because ultimately, it's what we do individually and then what we do collectively. That's the light that we shine together that Jesus was talking about, our opportunity together, because we're always better together. Now, here's the deal. As you are living for eternity and loving people passionately, there comes a point where you gotta share the gospel openly now here's what Paul said in Romans 1 16 as he was about to go into Rome which was the seat of paganism in this ancient civilization this pluralistic society that said there are many many gods this pluralistic theology very much like we're living now in modern American society here's what he said I am not ashamed I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. You see, the gospel is powerful. The gospel has power to change people's lives. And the apostle Paul was going in to Rome, of all places, where they hated Christianity that was pluralistic theology, where they said there are many, many gods, but he said I am not ashamed. Now here's the deal. Some of us, quite frankly, find this part really scary. Can I be honest with you? When it comes to opening your mouth personally and sharing the gospel privately and individually, it's always kind of scary. Can I admit this to you? Even for Pastor Phil, when I get ready maybe to share openly, privately, eyeball to eyeball with somebody, there's always a tinge of fear there, always, You say, well, Phil, how do you get over the fear? Because I'd love to share. Yes, I have friends and family that need the gospel. They need Jesus. Man, I I do wanna live missionally, and I wanna live for eternity, and I do wanna love them passionately, and when I have the opportunity, I I do wanna share the gospel openly, uh, but I don't know how I can because there's always that fear factor. Okay, here's how you get through the fear factor. I'm telling you personally. How you get through the fear factor is you open your mouth and start talking. Because when you do, open your mouth and start talking, the promise of Acts 1 and verse 8 kicks in. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, to Dias Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All of a sudden, the power of the Holy Spirit starts pouring out of you. You don't get it until you need it. And all of a sudden, you're saying things you didn't know you could say, and you're doing things you didn't know you could do, and you're going places you didn't know you could go. All of a sudden, you live in a super supernatural life instead of a natural life. And this is how you overcome the apathy and complacency of modern Christianity. You start living for eternity and loving people passionately and sharing the gospel openly. i promise you're not living in apathy and complacency because you're living missionally and all of a sudden you're sharing the gospel with people personally and God is changing lives. The gospel is powerful to change lives and the Holy Spirit of God within you is powerful. That word is dunamis, power, from which we get the word dynamite. Here, There's dynamite power inside each of us to affect the lives of others in a way that will last forever, but only if you open your mouth and start using it. And so this is what you do. And it may take years and years, quite honestly, it may take days, weeks, months, or years to get to this point with somebody in your life, friends or family especially. But as you have focused on eternity, you have loved them passionately, you have built credibility now to have a conversation with them. Does that make sense? And now you're gonna leverage the credibility that you have relationally to have a real conversation spiritually. Now, a lot of people think, I don't know how to share the gospel. I would if I could. I don't know what to say. I'm gonna give you the simple ABCs of how to share the gospel. The ABCs of how to become a Christian. It's as simple as A-B-C. All right, you ready? Here it is. First of all, they have to admit they're a sinner. Uh, as you begin to share the gospel with someone, they have to understand that they're a sinner. They have to admit they're a sinner. And this is part of the, you know, part that, that our society doesn't like, our culture doesn't like. You know, we live in a society that doesn't really believe in sin. There's no such thing as sin. I mean, quite frankly, every man does what is right in his own eyes, and that is why it is so easy to talk about the love of God. But you can't really understand the love of God until you understand the holiness of God, that God is so holy, he cannot tolerate any sin. And so what that means is we have to first recognize that I am sinned, and because I've sinned, I'm separated from heaven, I am separated from him. Romans 3 and verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Now, as you have this conversation with some friend or family or coworker, I don't mean, you know, pointing your finger at them and saying, hey, you're a sinner, and when you die, you will fry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a conversation and bringing awareness to their sin. You know how you do this? By pointing to your sin. You can you bring awareness to their sin by simply admitting your sin. The most powerful thing you have is your story personally, what God has done in your life. And so you connect with them relationally, not by talking down to them, but by simply talking to them. You want them to admit their sin, they're gonna have to if they're gonna have salvation. Start by admitting your sin. We all have sinned. 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It might surprise you to know, shock you even, that your pastor on occasion struggles with cussing. There, I admitted it, I said it. Now I was honest with you, so I hope you can be honest with others now too. Now, I don't usually say it, but it's, you know, when I get frustrated, ticked off, it's just right on the edge of my lips and I have to confess it, God, I'm so sorry. See, we all, we all struggle with stuff, don't we? We all deal with the same stuff. That's why we're all desperate for redemption because we all struggle with sin. And the reality is simply this, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. And that is not just death physically, that's death eternally, death spiritually, separated forever from God, separated forever from heaven, in a place that Jesus called hell, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. You see, that's the death the Bible is talking about. And if we really believe that, it will compel us and we ought to live with urgency in the state of emergency as we focus on eternity. Lives are at stake. The first thing somebody has to recognize if they sinned before there can ever be salvation. Now, after they A, admit that they've sinned, they have to B, believe that Jesus died for their sin and rose again, here's the reality. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Now, I memorized these verses years and years ago as I wanted to begin sharing the gospel openly with friends and with family. You can't always flop open your Bible and read it in the middle of your day, sitting in your cubicle at work around the coffee pot. You need to have this on the ready. Well, you know, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me tell you, I've sinned. So you're having a conversation. But the reality is if they believe on the name of Jesus Christ, that he died for them and rose again, that's the beginning of salvation. Now here's the deal. Most people wanna try to earn heaven. I'm gonna earn my way into heaven. I'm gonna earn my salvation by the good things that I do. Here's what you have to teach them. Teach them that forgiveness comes by faith alone, in Jesus alone. Don't try to earn it. The reality is heaven is not a reward for being good because heaven is more than a good place. It's a perfect place and you may be a good person, but you're not a perfect person. And if even one sin entered into heaven, heaven would become a place of corruption. That's why you cannot earn your salvation because for all the good things you do, it does not eliminate the sinful things that you do. You see, this is why Jesus did for you what you could have never done for you. He died for your sin, he rose again. God blamed him instead of you. He placed on him all your shame, your every sin, your every stain. And this is what you want to communicate and articulate. That while the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, they have to believe that Jesus died for their sin and rose again. And then see, confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be be saved. That is the ABCs of Christianity. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sin and rose again, and confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. That means I'm surrendered and submitted to him. That is what it means to be a Christian, and that, my friends, is the gospel, the good news, that Christ can change everything from within and give you a brand new destination. Can you imagine, just imagine, the number of lives that your life could touch. Just imagine the number of people you know that could have a brand new destination, but only if you'll take action and live on mission. You see, you can do things I can't do. You have opportunity, I never can. You know why? Because you have credibility that I never could. As Pastor Phil, listen, that title pastor has made it harder than ever to share the gospel with people. You know why? Because I'm a pastor. In their mind, I get paid to be good. But you're good for nothing. they don't expect it, they'll never see it coming. And you have a sphere of influence in your life that God has given you, influence I will never have with people I will never know. What will you do and how will you live? Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that every person here would see the opportunity, the opportunity to impact eternity to live for the things that matter, for the things that really, really last forever. I wanna stand with you, I wanna sing. I wanna sing to the king before we leave. Let's worship him together, would you do this with us?
1: Spirit of God.
0: just for a moment, nobody moving around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Curse to me that just maybe somebody here, maybe two or 10 or who knows. You know, your next step is not to share Christ. Your next step is to receive Christ. You've known religion, but you've never known the joy of redemption. I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith right here. You can pray with me right where you stand. Quietly, God will hear your prayer. He'll forgive your sin. there's any shred of doubt, any shadow of doubt whatsoever of your destiny eternally, then how about today? You pray this with me, and God will forgive you of your every sin. He'll give you a new beginning. He'll change you from within. Pray this with me. Every head bowed, pray it. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin, but that you rose again. And I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you died in my place, that you're alive today. And by faith, I receive you as my savior and I confess you as Lord of my life. Now help me follow you all the days of my life until I see you. Help me now to live out practically everything you've written about me from eternity. And I thank you most of all for the blood of Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give him glory with me? Praise him, would you? He's worthy, isn't he? Hey guys, I've got a book I wanna give you. If you prayed that with me today for the first time, if you'll come this way as everybody's walking that way, we have a little book we wanna give you, The Next Steps, where do you go from here? A pastor, counselor will meet you at this platform. We love you very deeply. I hope you have a really, really happy Thanksgiving. God bless you, God go with you.